On today's Blue Bay Insights, Head of Emerging Markets, Polina Kurdiavko, speaks with Institutional Portfolio Manager, Claudio de Gamma-Rose. Hi, Paulina. Emerging market currencies have risen by around 7% relative to the US dollar over the past month. Do you think they are simply rebounding to pre-sell-off levels, or is this the beginning of a more sustained rally? As a firm, we have a lot of debate on this topic at the moment. And as it stands, we see valid arguments in favor of both views. Um, Personally, I'm in the camp that we are seeing a start of a structurally weak dollar and that trend is likely to continue. Let's look at the facts. We know that the Fed is on hold for the next two to three years. We now see that on a relative basis, Europe has tackled the virus better than the US. We also seen the interest rate differential between the two regions has reduced. Plus, we're going into the US pre-election period, and we know that In general, elections are likely to create volatility and uncertainty on growth. Looking back, in 2008, during the global financial crisis, dollar has strengthened over 20% during the late 08. This time around, the strength in the dollar has been much more muted. In fact, if we look at the last 10 years, EMFX has depreciated by over 50% versus US dollar. And that has provided some cushion to withstand the shock that we have witnessed as a result of coronavirus. Switching channels to sovereign hard currency, it's noted that bond issuance is running at record pace compared to prior years. Should investors interpret that positively or negatively? What we want is a golden middle. Yet to date, emerging market issuance has been roughly at $350 billion. This is about 15% higher than last year. Out of $350 billion, we've seen $130 issued through Sovereign and $220 billion raised by emerging market corporates. Now, this is good news for the asset class because it has allowed, on one hand, some of the high-yield corporates and Sovereign to access the funding market and therefore improve their liquidity. But also, it improved the quality, the credit quality of the index, as the sovereign index has now an average rating of investment grade, given that we have seen a lot more investment grade issuance that has entered the index. Yet, when we see too much issuance, like we have seen in developed markets, you can have a scenario of a supply indigestion, especially if that supply doesn't come with a meaningful increase in dedicated assets under management to accommodate this issuance. Personally, I think that an increase between 10 to 50% on a year-year basis is a healthy increase in this market. From a corporate perspective, which companies are the most resilient to the current economic conditions? And similarly, which ones are showing signs of stress? There are several ways of looking at comparing or rather, there are several ways of comparing emerging market corporates. Of course, if we talk about credit quality, it's not surprising that the most resilient companies are those with the highest credit quality. If we compare companies on a regional basis, Asia is a clear winner, with the Chinese stimulus supporting liquidity in the domestic market and keeping default rates at bay. I would also say on a regional basis, companies in CEE, 
countries have benefited from liquidity support from the European Union and relatively healthy sovereign balances. As for the losers, I would say from a growth perspective, some Latin American countries are likely to be challenged. Now, let's have a look at the sectoral split. I would say sectors like healthcare, IT, telcos are clear winners in our universe. Not to mention, of course, sectors like pulp and paper, consumer discretionary, even some miners, in particular in the platinum group metals and copper. As for the losers, I would say their clear losers are sectors like airlines. Now, I would note that airlines account for less than half a percent of the index in emerging market corporate debt. So it's a relatively small universe. But beyond that, broadly speaking, privately owned, highly levered oil and gas companies would always struggle in the current environment. With all that said, I would emphasize that so far, the defaults in the corporate space have been surprisingly low. Year to date, we've seen corporate defaults at 1.7%, which is lower than the historical average of 3.5%. And this is due to the fact that a lot of companies have reverted to asset sales, cost-cutting measures to maintain healthy liquidity and margins through this crisis. In terms of investment opportunities across emerging market debt, do you have a preferred credit rating or maturity bucket? I like a barbell approach on both. If we talk about the credit quality, I like having a portfolio which is overweight, investment-grade, high-quality names on one side, and the names that already trade at dislocated, distressed valuations on the other, as the amount of risk that we're facing in the distress bucket is relatively limited. Uh, in particular, we're talking about process risk related to restructuring. As for maturities, I also like the barbell approach. I like being overweight credits in the front end of the curve to ensure the front end carry. And on the other hand, I like being overweight credits in the 30-year part of the curve with an investment-grade rating, as those credits technically always have better support from global insurance companies. And finally, as we move into the second half of 2020, how would you summarize your investment views? I would start by saying that safe coupons are investors' number one priority in this environment. If I look at emerging market investment-grade segment, of hard currency fixed income. I would argue that this is the best segment in the global fixed income to deliver that objective because it has the safety supported by the credit rating, but it also has a coupon given that um, we don't have very low rates in majority of emerging market countries and to access liquidity, they have to pay a premium to come to market. Secondly, I would focus on minimizing the number of risks in your portfolios. We have to acknowledge that there are certain factors we cannot predict in this environment. For example, we cannot bet on the exact shape of economic recovery, but we can bet as investors on process risk, where we have more visibility. We also can bet on dislocations that have occurred in this market due to liquidity rather than fundamentals. So my advice number two would be focus on the risks that you can estimate and they can have visibility on to construct your portfolio. Thank you for your time, Paulina. Thank you. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP. 
which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission and the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the FCA only and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer. Except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except for suitant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials the offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K 3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.